This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 90. We dig into a fantastic application of ANSYS LS Dyna for modeling lungs, along with news and events from the world of ANSYS. Welcome to our little podcast. I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PADT and your host. Here at our Tempe offices, we are getting closer to what I think used to be normal. I've noticed more people moving back into their office, and I've spent time sitting in the actual traffic, uh, driving to and from real face-to-face meetings with people. It is nice, and a big shout-out to the scientists, quality engineers, lab technicians, manufacturing engineers, supply chain managers, and probably a dozen other professions who have made this vaccine available to us. I hope that things are improving for those of you in other parts of the world. We are watching things closely and know the worst is not over. Our hearts go out to everyone that has or is still suffering because of this pandemic. So this is episode 90. That's kind of a nice round number. It's not 100, but uh, it's kind of amazing when you think that we've done 90 of these. Uh, It's hard to believe. Um, We've got three or four months before we get to 100, and we'll try and do something special for that day. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and sharing it with your friends, subscribing where you can subscribe uh, to whatever podcast tool you use, and uh, please send suggestions as well for uh, things for us to cover and what you'd like to hear or not hear. Uh, For our interview today, uh, we have a user, Jacob Briglin, from Los Alamos National Labs. If you're not familiar with the U.S. Department of Energy Labs, their government R&D facilities located around the country that were first established, well, let me just read to you the text on the website. An outgrowth of the immense investment in scientific research initiated by the U.S. government during World War II, the national laboratories have served as the leading institutions for scientific innovation in the United States for more than 70 years. The Energy Department's 17 national labs tackle the critical scientific challenges of our time, from combating climate change to discovering the origins of our universe, and possess unique instruments and facilities, many of which are found nowhere else in the world. They address large-scale, complex research and development challenges with a multidisciplinary approach that places an emphasis on translating basic science to innovation. I want to share that uh, for some context, um, and our guest will explain a little bit more. When COVID happened, the labs pivoted and worked hard to help solve a huge set of problems, including looking at respiration, which is what we're going to talk about today. It shows the power of LS Dyna in the hands of what may be the greatest, I think Los Alamos is the greatest R&D facility in the world. Let's learn more. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us today with uh, Jacob Riglin from uh, Los Alamos National Labs to talk today about uh, some cool things they've been doing with simulation. Uh, Jacob, thanks for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so, so my first real question, uh, what I really would like to to share with the users is a little bit about yourself. You know, what what your journey is to becoming a simulation a user of simulation tools, and then also, um, you know, what your current role is. Sure. Uh, so, I'm a R and D engineer um, for the thermal and mechanical group uh, here at the laboratory. Um, and I, uh, I got my, my start in, in simulation uh, back in predominantly in grad school. Uh, yeah. I used, um, I used some, some ANSYS tools mm-hmm. to uh, do some research and design on hydro turbines, actually, oh, cool. Cool. Um, in, the, in the design process um, for the Navy. Mm-hmm. 
Very, very cool. And and um, so you're a CFD person, a stress person. What's your primary background? Uh, predominantly CFD, um, but I do have some experience on the mechanical side and mm-hmm. more specifically with explicit analyses. Good. Fun stuff. Uh, always, always fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, you, we, we, we ran across the project you worked on because you were able to present a little bit about it um, uh, to us. And I was just wondering if you could kind of explain to our listeners uh, this particular project, what, what it was about, and what your goals were, and um, maybe delve a little bit into how you used simulation on the project. Sure. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, um, Congress passed the CARES Act, and part of that funding um, was dedicated towards um, research. Uh, and at the time, uh, early in the pandemic, one of the big concerns was um, was mechanical ventilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only do we have enough ventilators, but also, um, you know, how, how are those ventilators being operated? Uh, you know, how, how are those being used and how can we increase the uh, positive outcomes um, mm-hmm. during the, the operation of those ventilators? Um, and so that that's really kind of how the, the project took off. Um, and initially it was more of a manufacturing um, uh, a project with the mm-hmm. goal of improving um, the supply chain uh, of these uh, novel ventilators. And then it slowly kind of transformed into uh, more of a, of a research oriented um, uh, project where we were looking at the, you know, the flow uh, within the human lung. We were mm-hmm. looking at, you know, experimenting with mucus, um, looking at aerosol delivery in the lung. So really, you know, it, the, the, the scope and the breadth of, of what we actually looked at was, was very, very broad. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, so I know that early on, people were looking at some pretty crude, um, kind of like CPR type devices and automating those. Were you looking at more traditional ventilators or some of these ones that basically used a bag and squished the bag? Uh, we were looking at um, some some newer generations of, mm-hmm. of ventilators. Um, you know, some of the some of the traditional ventilators. Uh, there, there's various approaches, but um, one of the more um, the more recent uh, v- type, types of ventilation that's that's used is uh, high oscillatory uh, ventilation. Mm-hmm. So imposing um, oscillations on that incoming flow that's being driven into the lo- into the lung. And so we we focused most of our efforts on that and seeing if it would improve um, mucus removal and aerosol delivery. Um, in you know what you could define as the worst of the worst, uh, you know, COVID patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so were you modeling the ventilators? Were you modeling the lungs, or both? Or um, so, in terms of of, of um, modeling, it, it's it, you know it's interesting because we we had you know an experimental setup where we had and you know a uh, you know basically a mock setup of, of, you know, involving artificial lungs. So in some ways we're, you know, even the experimental experimentation side, you could call that modeling in mm-hmm. some way, but yeah. the, the actual numerical modeling that we did, um, we, uh, 
we used um, space claim to clean up a, uh, a lung geometry, um, mm. you know, an, an STL file that was really messy and, and mm-hmm. um, basically produce a, a geometry that we could, um, you know, conduct CFD simulations on. Uh, and then we also had, um, you know, other, there are other aspects of the modeling that, that, went beyond just simple CFD simulations. We, we have, um, we have, a, a, a bio member of the team, mm-hmm. uh, that was able to basically simulate how the alveoli would, would respond to various, um, pressure conditions generated cool. by the, the, the mechanical ventilator. Very cool. That's, that's, that's just really fascinating. So, from a from a modeling standpoint, um, cleaning up STLs of of scan data I know is really challenging. But w- what other aspects were were challenging for you that when you you built these simulations? Um, there are a number of things that are that are uh, that were challenging. Um, I think the the one that really com- the thing that comes to mind the most mm-hmm. is just you know the the effort itself, you know, I mentioned that, you know, it transitioned from a manufacturing project to a, to a more of a research project. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those projects where, you know, where the, the scope, the scope and the, and the needs aren't necessarily defined early on. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of quick, quick changes and pivots that, that were needed on our end. And it, it wasn't just on the, the modeling and CFD front. It, it was in, in all aspects, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of changes to, to help, you know, reach deliverables that, that might, you know, that might, might help potential patients. Yeah, that's, that's that's such a wonderful example. Um, the, um, the how was how was meshing? Did you um, you do anything special to mesh it, or did you just kind of blow a a, 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 a hex dominant core, or did you do a tet mesh? What was your your preferred method? Uh, obviously, it's it would be ideal if we could use a hex mesh, and and, mm-hmm. and that has been done in, in literature. Mm-hmm. But in general, you know, the the literature behind CFD modeling of of lungs, uh, mm-hmm. using a tent mesh is is perfectly acceptable. So, okay. um, and, and that was you know part another one of the challenges was, you know, you you have a finite amount of resources, mm-hmm. time being probably the most critical one. So, you know, a, a tent mesh was was good enough, and mm-hmm. and. That really allowed us to, you know, focus our, our resources in, in areas that other areas that were, you know, they were needed more in. Cool, cool. Was there was there something that surprised you, uh, both from a modeling standpoint or from the results you were getting that were kind of like, huh, I didn't expect that. Um, I didn't, I didn't expect, um. I didn't expect to be able to um, procure, procure the. Uh, sorry, one second. There we go. Um, I wasn't able to. Uh, I was able to procure the, the the geometry much faster than I was expecting. Okay. I think um, I was able to to refine the the STL, clean it up, have it imported into. Um, 
into the mesher within probably a month. And I was expecting okay. that that would take a predominant amount of the, the time that we had. And then I expected, I expected the, the setup, you know, the mm-hmm. actual CFD portion of the setup to um, take much longer than it did. So there were some aspects that I, that time-wise that I expected to um, be much more demanding than, than they were. So in some ways, it, it you know that was that was a good it was a it was good surprise yeah. yeah it was a good surprise not a not a negative one so. <laughs> that's that's always the best kind I hear you on that did you did you use yeah. parallel a, a lot of HPC on this did you run it on a larger cluster or was it we able to run it on a relatively small one um, we ran we predominantly ran the cases that we did on um, on just local workstations okay. um, it. Uh, just with the nature of the the project, by the time we had things scaled up and, and ready to run on HPC, um, it, it it the 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 funding that we had to do the mm-hmm. research ran out, and then additionally, it, the, a lot of the simulations that we did, um, some of the ideas that we had were were great for for potential long term applications, mm-hmm. but some of them would require FDA approval, which we knew. We wouldn't be able to get in the time frame that we had to work with. So most of the simulations we did, um, they were predominantly targeted towards helping guide some of the experiments. Um, Good. You know, with you know, where 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 do you want to place your sensors? Mm-hmm. What what kind of flow behavior are you expecting? Um, things things of that nature. So um, so a lot of the immediate simulations that we did were fo- were focused more towards um, assisting the the exper- the the overall lead of the effort and the the lead of the experimental team. Great, oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I, I guess my my big question is. Um, you know, if if you ha- you could do this again, let's let's let's. I don't want to say we have another pandemic and you need to model this, but yeah. let's say let's say there's follow-on work that that gets funded, um, and you, you have to start over again. What, what would you do differently uh, if you had a chance to to redo this project? Uh, so we we are currently pursuing additional funding Good. to to extend to extend the work. Um, I don't I don't think that there's anything that we would do differently. I think given, given the circumstances, I think we operated, you know, pretty efficiently and and we got quite a bit done. I think the, the biggest thing that I, and I know my, my, my team would echo this, that, uh, uh, you know, a long sustained consistent effort. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, a lot of the initial work, it was it was very chaotic you know mm-hmm. we would have a month where we got a ton done and then we would have to pivot and maybe slow our roll on on a certain aspect of the project so um a lot of our timing i think was a little bit off mm-hmm. on, on some of the work that we did so having a long steady um approach i think is, is probably the, the the biggest thing that that comes to mind Great. That's that's, yeah. Isn't that true of a lot of projects? <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good, yeah. very good point. Uh, that's that's great. Um, any after this experience, any any advice to users out there that uh, you want to pass along to any of our listeners? Uh, I guess um, 
just understanding that, you know, when it comes to simulation and, and, and most engineering, everything is, everything is a balance mm-hmm. you're, you're constantly balancing, you know, you know, resources, scope, needs, demands, um, and, you know, and then even, even within that you have, you're, you're balancing, you know, messaging to people on the business side and, and then people on the technical side. So mm-hmm. understanding the balance and, and doing your best to consistently navigate that. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. So true. We want to just focus on the nodes and elements, right? And the mesh, but there's so much mm-hmm. more. There's so much more out there. Which turbulence model yeah. do I use? That's what we want to be the big debate, but there's so much more to take into account. Um, yep. well, uh, very informative and uh, really, really cool. Uh, and, and I also want to point out to our listeners that it's just one example of how um, LANL responded to the pandemic and even research done um, and I'll try and find a link to share some research done on the genetic mapping side of things long before um, the pandemic hit that was used to get the vaccine done so quickly with sequencing. I mean, there's there's so many different things uh, that Lanel did. It's fantastic. Yeah, this is this. I mean, this was an interesting project, but it was you know, it was only a small fraction of the of the overall <laughs> response on on, on Lanel's front. Yeah. So if you're if people if people are interested in you know how your taxpayer dollars being spent and this sort of thing, um, j- just doing a search on uh, Los Alamos National Labs and COVID nineteen. Um, there's so many useful uh, both technical and news articles uh, about the things that were done and and really the I, w- I want to on behalf of our of everybody I want to thank you and the rest of the team there for for stepping up and stepping out of your comfort zone and and I'm sure you were doing all this while like everybody else you were trying to figure out how to work from home um so we really appreciate mm-hmm. it well thanks I, I i i i love this uh what a great application and um i hope uh, in the future you get to do more cool stuff and uh have you guys been able to publish your results that was actually one other thing i wanted to ask uh we're we're uh, we're in the process of, of of publishing a few things. Um, okay. There's a few other things that we may not be able to publish mm-hmm. uh, immediately, um, but but there, we we do have plans to 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 publish what you know what we currently have at some at some point if mm-hmm. you know if not in the near future down the road. Good. We, you know we'll have something out there. Well, definitely, people should look for that and 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 search uh, search the internet because um, I, I know that this. I'm sure that what you did will be applicable to anybody really modeling. Um, dealing with lungs, whether it's getting medication down there or, or dealing with uh, clearing up mucus or um, so many other applications. Um, I'm sure you guys um, learned a lot. So look forward to seeing that published. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for calling in. Um, enjoy the cooler weather there in New Mexico as we begin to heat up here in Arizona. And uh, <laughs> Uh, and and I speak for everybody at PADT. We can't wait to get out and visit you guys in New Mexico um, uh, soon, hopefully. Can't wait either. All right. Th- thanks a lot. Have a good rest of the week. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. 
What a great experience. You could tell I want to talk about more stuff. And that's just one of the many projects undertaken by the labs where their skill, experience, and equipment, and often their immense compute power, uh, were brought to bear to solve difficult problems. So uh, keep your eye on what they're up to, and uh, hopefully we'll share more in the future from that lab as well as other labs that we interface with. Uh, PDT does work with Sandia, Idaho National Labs, um, and uh, a couple of smaller ones around the country. Speaking of compute power, for this episode's commercial, I want to talk about ANSYS Cloud and ANSYS Elastic Licensing, a one-two punch that easily delivers the software and horsepower you need when you need it. Now you can use Elastic Licensing to run on your own hardware, on third-party cloud, or on ANSYS Cloud. Flexibility is the watchword for these products. What you need, when you need it, where you need it. Elastic Licensing is a pay-as-you-go way to access most ANSYS products, high-performance computing, and even hardware. It can be used with your existing licenses or on its own. You can manage your Elastic assets using the new ANSYS Licensing Portal. It even lets you manage your Elastic Licensing usage by project and or users. They have really made this easy and flexible, and if you don't have the hardware, you can use the licenses to access just the right amount of power to get your work done on time. If you have not explored your Elastic Licensing options and ANSYS Cloud, now is the time to reach out and learn more. You, like many of our customers, will most likely end up saying, that is exactly what I needed. All right, let's take a look at ANSYS news. ANSYS stock finished the week, uh, which ended June 11th. Friday was June 11th at $336.42 a share. That's down 7.53% for the year. So looking at related stocks, Autodesk is pretty much in the same situation. They're down 9%, whereas Altair and PTC are up 126 and 14%. Uh, each of them. For comparison, the S&P 500 is up about 12.86. So it seems like uh, ANSYS and Autodex are down for the year slightly, and Altair and PT, uh, PDC are kind of tracking the S&P 500. So it's not a not a year for these uh, CAE stocks to outperform the market, it seems like. As I stated before, I don't understand the stock market. Why on earth ANSYS is down is a mystery to me. So I searched and found an article on Yahoo Finance from an outfit called Zach's Equity Research. Don't know why they're good, but they got themselves published in Yahoo. Um, why is ANSYS down 1% since the last earnings report is the headline for their article. And they repeat the earnings report. Most of the article is just the numbers that we went over um, a couple podcasts ago. And that's all good and dandy. And then they give these grades. They give ANSYS a B for growth, C for momentum, and a D for value, which gives them a GPA on their scale of a solid C. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, and they do say that their estimates are trending down. So it didn't really help me understand what the fundamentals are. Um, I, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that it's just that there are other stocks that investors feel will go up faster, and that's why they're putting their money in there. Um, your guess is as good as mine. Um, along the same lines, uh, ANSYS was added to another list, this time the Fortune Future 50. So Fortune Magazine has this, this group of companies they list every year called the Future 50. And it's the 50 public companies with the strongest long-term growth potential. 
Um, and that's pretty much the only news that they had uh, to share um, since the last time we had our podcast when they announced the acquisition of, of another company. But uh, otherwise, nothing new news there. Why? And uh, wise. And the same is true for PADT. Uh, we don't have anything new to report in the news world. So let's move on to blogs. Uh, if you pop over to blog.ansys.com, you'll find some good posts as usual. Uh, my two favorite are uh, reverse engineering with a phone and space claim. So um, it's about scanning with a phone, an object, it's a, someone's boat actually. They wanted to put an extension on the end of the boat. So they took out their uh, iPhone 11, which has LiDAR built in. And uh, they didn't say which app they use, but there's quite a few out there. And they scanned the back, read that into space claim, cleaned it up and built a model in space claim and then ran it in discovery. So it's a great um, example, of a very practical, easy solution. And what's cool about it uh, beyond normal use of, of space claim and discovery is they used the phone to do the scanning. It was fairly accurate. The second one is called Get High Fidelity Optical Edge Case Analysis with LiDAR Simulation. And it's a deep look at how ANSYS simulation can be used to understand uh, that same LiDAR technology, but in this case cars, to look at what they call these edge cases, these, these optical, um, uh, not so common cases that are not in the middle of the box when you're looking at the way LiDAR works. Um, and uh, I, do, I do take a, uh, a recommendation that you take a look at that. It's a pretty cool article. And again, getting our head around those of us who aren't in that world, get our head around how these tools like Speos work and what the value proposition is for them. Over on the PAT blog side, um, uh, it's kind of an ANSYS adjacent thing. Miles Adkins is, uh, keeps on adding every week an article about Flonex, and he added two very recently. Um, the first one is, set, first one is uh, custom result layers, and the second one is creating custom fluids. Over on the ANSYS side, Josh Stout added a video where he shows how to use ANSYS IcePack in electronic desktop to set up and solve a complex enclosure model with an accurate representation of the PCB. So it's a pretty complicated board. Uh, it's got uh, some uh, heat exchangers on it, and um, it's pretty pretty typical enclosure simulation. So if you're looking to do that kind of thing, uh, check out that video. He kind of steps through all the steps to, to build and run the model. It's aptly titled, Setting Up and Solving a PCB and Enclosure for Thermal Simulation and ANSYS IcePack Electronic Desktop. And for fun, our latest chapter in our novel, A PADT Engineer in King Attaball's Court, was released. This is the fifth installment, and it's entitled City on the Nile. And it involves some electrochemical engineering, manufacturing, and pirates. Uh, it may not be very well written at all, and it has a plot hole that Hannibal could ride an elephant through, or multiple plot holes that Hannibal could ride an elephant through, but it's been fun so far. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Uh, like I said, it's their fifth chapter, and it details the story of a young, uh, fictitious member of PDT staff who gets transported back in time to ancient Phoenicia. Get it, Phoenix. Phoenicia. Yeah, we're very clever. Um, do check it out at www.padtinc.com slash blog, where you can find the articles I mentioned as well. I also want to put a plug in for two webinar recordings from our aerospace mini conference this week. The first, Simulating the Future of Aerospace, has two presentations worth watching if you're in aerospace or interested in aerospace. Uh, the first is from former PADT application engineer, a frequent guest on this podcast when he worked here, and now ANSYS Aerospace Account Manager, Manoj Mahendra. 
Mahindran. Uh, and he gives us a brilliant overview of all the new and exciting ways that ANSYS simulates even more of the aerospace world. So if you're using one ANSYS product in aerospace, I recommend you check it out to learn about all the other ones. Then Nate McBee joins us to share a great overview of AGI. And uh, we covered the kind of the history and the merger of AGI with ANSYS in a previous podcast. And he goes into some very specific examples of how it's used in aerospace for um, digital mission simulation, which is what they do. Um, then the second um, recording that I really recommend people check out is uh, Manoj then joins Jerry Feldmiller, who's from Stratasys, for a panel where we discuss the future of both simulation and the 3D printing in aerospace. And it's a great discussion with two very intelligent guys about uh, what's really um, popular with their aerospace customers right now and what they see coming down the pipe. So that was a fun discussion. Um, and I recommend you can check out both of those at brighttalk.com. Search for PADT. You can get a list of them and all of our other presentations from the past. Let's take a look at events. Um, speaking of Bright Talk, actually, our next webinar is Materials, Composites, and Scripting Updates in ANSYS Mechanical 2021 R1. So there's something there for everybody. Um, everybody needs materials and scripting, probably, and composites are becoming more and more popular. So our very own Doug Otis will bring everyone up to date on what is added in that latest release. And uh, taking a look at the PADTinc.com slash events page, which is where we list all of our events and what is going on in our world. Um, the next one coming up um, is an event that I'm attending. It's on the 15th of June, and it's called Virtual Engineering Days. It's a design and manufacturing show, and um, it was going to be held live, but they're doing it virtual this year. And um, I'll be uh, giving a presentation on efficient material selection and management and additive manufacturing. And basically, I'm going to talk about how we use ANSYS Granta and some good rules to pick the right materials for all the different 3D printing things we do here. So if you're interested in additive manufacturing, I check that out. We'll talk quite a bit. I talk quite a bit about, uh, I'm going to talk quite a bit about simulation and how it's used in our process as well to make sure we pick the right material before we actually build stuff. And uh, that's going to be on the 15th. The specific talk is at 1045 um, Arizona time. And then uh, the webinar that I spoke about already that Doug's giving on materials, composite, and scripting in ANSYS 2021 R1. And then on the 24th, we will have our first live event with the Arizona Technology Council, the 2021 MedTech Conference. Uh, we're not presenting at this one, but I will be attending. It's at venue uh, 8600 in Scottsdale. So if you're a listener here from the Arizona area and are interested in MedTech, uh, this is going to be an event. Uh, it looks like a lot of people are coming to you. Everybody wants to get together again. And then in July, we'll be doing the Aerospace Aviation Defense and Manufacturing Conference. I'll be announcing a panel that I'll be heading up for that. Um, that's from 1 to 5 at the same location, venue 8600 in Scottsdale on the 15th of July. So we look forward to that one and again seeing all of our aerospace and manufacturing friends. And I'll go ahead and bring up the remaining big uh, events for us because they're getting it's getting crowded right now. And August will be at what is now called DNM West. It used to be called the uh, Pacific Design Show or MDNM West. Um, it's all it's called DNM West now. And I'll be speaking at that event and hosting a panel. And PADT will have a booth. So those of you listening from Southern California, uh, do reach out to your ANSYS salesperson, um, and uh, we can get you a ticket to at least come by and see the booths and come say hi to us.
Um, then uh, let's see, I got that panel there. The CEO retreat is going to be on the 17th through the 19th for the Arizona Technology Council in Prescott this year. And then we will be attending the 30 to the 36th Space Symposium. Um, this is the big event in space. Um, we're not, it's not in space, but about space, the space industry um, in Colorado Springs every year. Uh, we, of course, missed it last year. And we weren't honestly going to go this year, but uh, with the vaccine doing so well, uh, what we're seeing is tons of people are signing up. It's going to be a very crowded event. A lot of speakers, a lot of cool stuff going on. PADT will be hosting an Arizona aerospace booth there with three other customers, um, two of which are ANSYS users that uh, we work with. And uh, we hope to see uh, anybody that's going to be going to the space symposium there. So do stop by. And that is what I have for events. That's a lot. Again, that's going to be in uh, August. And um, I'm pretty much done. So I want to thank everybody for uh, listening, as always. Uh, it's fantastic to have uh, such a great audience and such great feedback from all of you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast where you get your podcasts and also to our newsletter at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in and spread the word and don't hesitate to reach out to us. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 90. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.